I continuing our theme for this month and embrace mission. The whole theme for the year is embrace, a year to embrace, which to accept something willingly or enthusiastically. It's not a year to shrink back no matter what is going on or what's happening. It's a, a year to grow forward, embrace everything that God's got for us, embrace everything that life throws at us, not to go back and defensive, but let's be people who embrace all that's ahead and our theme for June is Embrace Mission. And when I can continue that theme of Embrace Mission for this month of June, I recognize also that it's Father's Day. Let me wish every father a great day. And I just want to look at a very famous, a well-known portion of Scripture, a parable that we call the parable of the prodigal son, and just link the two a little bit. Today, I don't want to just speak to fathers because I believe the word of God is for us all. And I'm going to read the story that Jesus told about what we call the parable of the prodigal son. You'll find it in Luke's gospel, chapter 15. And I'm going to read some of the verses that said, Jesus speaking said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded the local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quickly, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. We'll finish there. We know that's not the end of the story because the older son was in the half and took a stroke over the father celebrating what he thought was a vagrant, reckless brother that he had. But we want to look at the father's heart today. It's a story of three people here. It's about the father and the two sons who were lost. Even though the father called the prodigal one who was lost and was happy, he's now he's found, he was dead and he's alive. But both sons were lost in various ways. And the father tried to connect with both of them. I just want to pay uh, particular attention to the father and his dealings with what we call this prodigal son. 
See, the father was on a mission for the reuniting with his son. Father God's heart was reflected in this father here who was concerned about his son who'd gone away. No, when I heard not that long ago, Chris Hodge telling the story of when his son was lost and just a natural family gathering with some friends, going around some shops and coffee houses. Somehow he realized his son was lost and he was worried for him. And he got a bit concerned when he approached the guard or the security man who was there who had the communication tools and other tools and able to start a search or try and find his son and get others involved in a search party but wasn't really interested. And I believe Chris Hodges said something along the lines, it pained the father's heart that someone who could help in rescuing something that was precious to him and was lost was not interested in reaching that lost person. And no, that's a challenge to the church. It pains the father's heart that those who are precious to him and are lost are not being sought to be rescued and found by the church. It's a great challenge to us. But here in this story, we see the heart not just of an earthly father, but the heart of Father God reflected in this story about the son who went away. You know, and Father's heart is the mission for souls, for those who are lost. That's why Jesus came to the planet Earth. We can read his words in Luke 19, verse 10. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Why would he do that? I want to tell you this morning, because of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, Father, God's mission is to capture your heart because his heart is towards you. His heart is for a relationship with you. See, in this story, we see the heart of God, first of all, and the fact for the Father that relationship was more important than rules. It was relationship, not rules, where his heart was at. See, the son came to him and says, I want my inheritance now. Give me what I'm due in your estate before you die. And if you knew the context in the Middle East culture, that was probably the greatest insult that the father could have heard from his son. What the son was effectively saying was, I wish you were dead. I wish you were already dead so that I could obtain my inheritance. It was a deep, painful insult. And one commentator that I read said it really wouldn't happen. But if it did happen, then the father would have the right to beat the son or at least disown the son because of the insult in the heart of the son in this matter. But you know, this father's heart in this story is not about rules, but about relationship. His relationship with his son was more important than any rules and any rights that he had. Hear me correctly, God has some rules and regulations that we are to follow, but the heart of the Father is not to make us do these rules and regulations, but out of a heart of love and out of relationship. There's an old song that says, I will serve you because I love you. The Father's heart here was more interested 
in relationship than any rules or rights that he had. And I want to tell you that our Father God is more interested in relationship than he is about rules. Remember, one day Jesus was with his disciples and the disciples obviously noticed that Jesus' prayer life was an awful lot better than theirs. So they said to him, Jesus, can you teach us how we should pray? And Jesus said, yep, okay, guys, this is what you say. And he started with, our Father, who art in heaven. It's what we now call the Lord's Prayer. But he was introducing them to a different aspect of God. God's not about rules and regulations. God is about relationship. God's heart is for relationship with you. He does not want to force things on us. He wants a heart which is connected to him because his heart is for you, his heart is for me, and this father and this story reflected the father's heart. That his heart was about a relationship with his son, and he didn't want to do anything which would cause that relationship to be irrevocably broken. And the father was trying to make sure, even in his pain, even in his heart, even in his disappointment, that he was going to make sure there was going to be a way back. There wasn't cutting off of ties completely because he wanted that relationship reunited. And I want to encourage you that God's heart for you is for you to have a great relationship with him. As a side note, let me encourage you, fathers and fathers Day can apply to mothers about your relationship with your children. Don't let the rules break the relationship. Yes, there are some things that have to be put in place in families, but always let the relationship be greater than the rules. Look for ways to keep the relationships open even when there's some breakdown. Don't let rules break relationships. You being right, this father being right was not the issue. It wasn't about him being right and his rights. It was about relationship. And he made sure that his relationship with his son was of greater importance than him being right or his rights with his son. Yes, there are things that have to be put in place. But encourage you as parents, make sure your relationship is more important than you being right and your rights. Father's heart is for relationship. But not only was it relationship and not rules and not rights, Father's heart was reconciliation, not rejection. The Father lived for reconciliation with his son. And we read that while his son, the prodigal, was a far way off or was far away, the heart of the Father was always, always towards reconciliation. He looked for the day of reconciliation. And what a reflection that is of our Father God. Colossians 1 says this, that while we were alienated from God, yet now he has reconciled you. We were alienated, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. I love what it says here. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. 
and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. How amazing is that? When God looks at you, he doesn't see your mess-ups, your faults, your failings, your rebellions, your walking away. He only sees the work of Christ and Calvary and causes you to be reconciled to him because of that work. God's heart is reconciliation. We were the wrong, not the right. God was always in the right. He writes over us, but he chose to reconcile us even though we were wrong. Second, First Timothy 2.15 says this, For there is only one God and one mediator who could reconcile God and humanity. That man was Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says that the old is gone and the new has come when we come to faith in Christ. And the next verse says, And through faith God who's reconciled himself through us has committed to us the ministry of of reconciliation. See, we should reflect the heart of God, which is always reconciliation. No matter how people, how far people have gone, no matter how much they've rebelled against God, the Father's heart here was towards reconciliation. Father God's heart was reconciliation for you and I, and He's given us a mission, a ministry that no matter how far people have gone away from God, our heart should still be towards reconciliation. Rather, than rejection, reconciling people to God. No song says, on the failing new songs, says about who reconciles man to God. Thank God that Jesus has reconciled us to God. But we need to be people on a mission to reconcile others to God. While the son was a far, a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, because it was a year to embrace, and he kissed him. You know, how reflective of God is that? Romans 5 and 18 says that God showed his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were far off, God ran towards us. God reconciled us through Jesus. And here the father, the wrong person, still was running towards his son because his heart was for reconciliation. Maybe I'm speaking to someone today and you have a broken relationship and it pains you so much. Maybe you were not the wrong person. You were the wronged person. The other person has wronged you and pained you and hurt you and broken that relationship and you're still living with pain and hurt. All I'm saying today is be like the Father God and be open to reconciliation when there's an opportunity for it to happen. God is a heart of reconciliation. The world is so full of division and bitterness and rancor, but God's heart is always reconciliation. Maybe there's people today and you think you've gone too far away from God, that you've done too much, that there's no way back, that there can't be reconciliation. I want to tell you it's not true. God is into reconciliation. God's heart is for reconciliation. You are never too far gone away from God. There's always a way back. What we see here, whenever the son was making steps back, 
Whenever the father noticed he was running towards the son. And whenever you begin to make steps back to God, maybe you've been disconnected to God, but the moment you make steps to come back to God, you'll find a God who's running towards you. Reconciliation, not rejection. But it's restoration, not removal either. The Father, God's heart is not only reconciliation, but it is restoration. Not just reconciliation, restoration. I know you maybe think here, and the son was maybe thinking, you know, I maybe could go back to the Father. Certainly going back to the Father is going to be better than where I am now. My life's not turned out great. I'm in a mess, and I can get back to the Father. And I know it can never be the same again, he's thinking. But even just going back, it will still be better than where I am just now. But Father can never fully embrace me again. There will always be that, yeah, your damaged goods. You come back, son, but we know what you did. And whenever there's an opportunity, it will come back up and rear its ugly head or It'll always be the elephant in the room. Maybe that's what the son was thinking. And maybe you went away from God. Maybe you've messed up. And maybe you think, yeah, I can come back to God. And I can come back to him. But it can never quite be the same again. It won't be what it was before. I want to encourage you this morning. My heart goes out to you. But I want to encourage you that God is a God of restoration. God is into restoration, not removing you, not replacing you. God is into restoration. His heart is restoration. The dictionary would define restoration as returning someone or something to its former condition, place, or position, or repairing or renovating something to get back to its original condition. See, when the world looks at restoration, it thinks, well, we can take it and make it what it was. It can be just the same as it was before. But let me encourage you this morning that God's heart of restoration means it can be even better than it was before. God's not restoration is not returning it to what it was. God's restoration is making it better than it was before. I know there are some people in here and some people listening to me today. And yes, you've messed up. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you believe God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. You feel as if, yeah, God's forgiven me, but it can never quite be the same again. God can't use me the way he's used me before. I want to encourage you this morning that it's a lie, that God's restoration is greater than it ever was before. God's forgiven you. God's for you, and God doesn't look on you as damaged goods. God's heart is it cannot just restore your soul, and it cannot just restore you to what you were, but it can restore you to something greater than it was before. I love Isaiah 6 and 17. Here's some verses about the heart of God. In a place of difficulty and shame, it says to the people of God, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will receive a double share of honor. And Zechariah is talking about those in a difficult place and 
an enemy who's beating them and says, return you who are full of hope still because I'm announcing that I will restore twice as much to you as you had. One version says, I will repay you two blessings for each of your troubles. How great is our God that he can repay more than what we lost. Joel 2, we know about it, restoring the years that locust is eaten so that your barns will overflow. You will have more than enough food. Job, it says, after he prayed for his friends, it says his, his fortunes were restored and he was given twice as much as he had before. That is the heart of God. The psalmist in Psalm 71 says this, though you have seen trouble, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. You will increase my honor and comfort. See, the psalmist caught the heart of God. The heart of God and the heart of the Father here wasn't just, oh, let's get you back in and reconcile you and that was good. It's let's have restoration. Father's heart is restoration. And I know I'm emphasizing this from a pastoral perspective. My heart goes out to those who feel it can't be the same again. I want to encourage you, it can be even greater than it was before. Your relationship with God can be even greater than it was before. God can use you in greater measure than he's ever, ever done before. Let's look at this prodigal son. Let me ask you two questions. You can answer if you like. I won't hear you. But when did this son have a greater appreciation of father and father's house? Was it when he was there originally or was it when he was restored back into the house? I want to encourage you. The answer was he had a greater appreciation of father and father's house once he was restored. When was he of greater use to the Father? I want to tell you when he was of greater use to the Father. Not when he was there before because his heart was a bit twisted and bitter. But once he had an appreciation of the love of Father and the restoration and the reconciliation of Father, he was a greater servant and of greater use to the Father after he was restored. It was better for him after. The atmosphere in the house was better. The appreciation of the house was better. The appreciation of Father was better. And what he did for Father was greater after than it was before. Let me encourage you this morning. God's not finished with you. God is for you. God's got more ahead for you, and God's heart is restoration. And there are many people out there who are not in church yet, who are away from God and have walked away. And as a church, we need to have the heart that God's heart is for them to be reconciled, but them to be restored. And when they come back, restored in Father's house, what they bring and what they live out and what they give to God is going to be greater than what was before. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you've walked away from God. I want to encourage this morning. You're not too far gone. God's heart is to connect with your heart. God wants to restore that relationship with you. He wants reconciliation with you. And he wants to tell you today that he's got great things ahead for you. God is a God of restoration. And see here, our worth and value is not dependent on our actions. See, if you look at the father here, his heart was for the son. But the son was thinking, and as he came back, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm still living in my regret and in the mistakes I've made. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Let me encourage you this morning that not one of us is worthy to be called sons of God. It's all because of the grace of God.
and we're not sons of God because of what we have done. Children are not your children because of their actions, but because of your actions. And I'm not going to go into that. But their worth and value and who they are is not because of what they've done. It's because of what value you've placed on them and what you've done. And I want to tell you, our worth, our value, our rights of children is because of what God has done, not because of what we have done. We are never worthy to be called children, but God has done it all to make us his children. We are children of God, a God who loves us, who's for us, no matter what we've done and where we've gone. And my final point in closing is the Father's heart was rejoicing, not rebuking. Father was rejoicing. I want to encourage you this morning that God is a rejoicing God. I might upset some religious thinking here, but let me tell you, God's into parties. Not, not wild, drunken parties. Get me right, but I want to tell you, God's into parties. The Bible says that when somebody comes to faith in Christ, that heaven has a party. The Father is into parties. The Bible says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. God is into rejoicing. It's easy to rejoice in the good times. But I want to tell you here, this was a great time when the son was come back to the father. Let me encourage you, as a father and as a mother this morning, and I have to hold my hands up and say that I failed in many occasions on this, but look for ways to rejoice for your children rather than rebuke your children. Look for opportunities to celebrate with them rather than tell them off. You get four out of 10 at a spelling test. Wow, isn't that great that you can spell four words correctly? No, wow. You get beat six one today. Wow, isn't that great? You could beat eight one last week. Things are going better than they were. You broke the microwave but you were trying to make my dinner and surprise me. Wow, that is great. And you can think of other ways. But listen, as fathers and mothers, let's have opportunities and look for opportunities to celebrate, to rejoice that rather than rebuke. And here, the father was celebrating. The father says, let's get the best food. Let's get the best robe. Let's have the best barbecue. Let's have the best party we can have because a son who was lost is found again. What a reflection of the father's heart. It's Father's Day, and this father embraced mission for his son to be reunited with him. For the father, relationship was more important than his rights. Reconciliation was more important than rejection. Restoration was more important than removal. And rejoicing was more important than rebuking. He reflect our Father God's heart. As a church, let us reflect Father God's heart, not the son's heart, the older son. Let's be people 
who commit to reconciliation. And I want to encourage you that when we reflect the Father's heart as we go and embrace mission, the days will be plenty when we can rejoice with those who come back home to Father's house. Today, you can come back to Father's house. Maybe you've never been in Father God's house. Maybe you've never accepted him. Today is the day that you can come back and you can reconnect and you can connect with the first, for the first time with Father God. But as a church, as we embrace mission, let's be people who reflect the heart of God in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this parable. I thank you. It's a reflection of the heart of our Father. I pray, Lord, that as a church, that we will reflect your heart as we embrace mission. And Father, I pray right now for everyone, Lord, who's never accepted you, that right where they are, they'll just accept Jesus Christ as a saviour. We know we've done wrong. We know we've messed up. But I thank you, no matter how bad it's got, your son's forgiveness, your son's death provides enough forgiveness for our sins. And I pray that people will connect with the heart of the Father right now. And Lord, I pray for those who used to walk with you, who are watching right now. They're what we would call prodigals. They know they're not where they should be. But Lord, I pray that right now, they'll reconnect and they'll recognize there's no rejection in your heart. There's no condemnation. There's no, it can't be the same again. But you're already running. Lord, as they make steps, the first step right now to come back to you, I pray that they'll see that you are running towards them to embrace them, to rejoice with them, to restore them to a greater relationship than they've ever had. In Jesus' name, and for us as a church, help us to go with the heart of the Father into your world and bring many back to you. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ who makes it all possible. Amen.